0: We're doing Elements? Good? Yeah. We worship a great and powerful and loving God. It is an honor to be with you tonight. Uh, If we haven't met yet, my name is Brandon, and my wife Sarah and I are a part of Elements City Church. I've been friends with Jack Schull, our lead pastor, for 15 years now. I've spent a number of those years alongside him in ministry, and it is an honor to be here with you tonight. And I stand here. Uh, not as someone who has figured out everything that we're going to talk about. I stand here tonight as someone who is going through what we're going to discuss. And my hope and prayer is that as we uh, talk about a topic that at times could seem a little heavy, that we would find hope and encouragement from it. Uh, A couple years ago, I was living in Dallas with Sarah, and the uh, holiday season was coming, and we decided that we were gonna go see the North Texas Ballet's presentation of the Nutcracker. And so I did what most people do in today's technologically driven world. I logged on to Ticketmaster and I went and I looked at the new seating layout for the brand new performing arts center that they had just built downtown and I carefully selected a row and I carefully selected our seats and I put in my credit card information, I printed off the tickets, I set them aside in the drawer and I walked out of the room and I patted myself on the back. Because taking your wife to the ballet is worth a lot of husband points. (laughs) So the night of the performance comes. And we're in the elevator. We get dressed up. We're going to go out to dinner at a nice restaurant beforehand. And we're going down the elevator. And I'm folding up the tickets to put them inside my sport coat. And I scan the details. And a wave of nausea comes over me. And by the time we get to the ground floor, I've pulled it out. And now I'm angry. And I can feel the color rising up in my neck. Because somehow, I have managed to purchase tickets for the 2 p.m. show, not the 8 p.m. show. Negative husband points. Okay? So, I don't know if you know this. When you look at tickets, there's usually a lot of fine print somewhere on the back. I don't usually read the fine print. There's not usually a reason to read it. On this occasion, I read the fine print. And one of the things it said very clearly, in bold, in about four-point font, was... Absolutely no refunds and exchanges. Now at this point it wouldn't have mattered anyway because the show was sold out. So even if I would have gone down there and begged them to let me have a ticket, there wouldn't have been any tickets for me to have. you ever have something like that happen to you? You have something planned only to have the plans fall through. Maybe it was something that fell through suddenly or maybe you saw it coming over the course of time and it didn't work out the way you thought it was going to work out. Maybe it was something as insignificant as a a failed date night, or maybe a family trip or a vacation didn't go the way you thought it would. Maybe, though, it was something more significant. Maybe things didn't go the way you planned in terms of your life. Maybe you graduated college and you thought, you know what, I'm going to get that job. And then you realized, oh my goodness, 5,000 other people just graduated from the U of A with me and they're all looking for the same jobs. Maybe you have a job, but it's not the job that you're skilled for. It's not the job that you're educated for. It's not the job that you're passionate about. Or maybe the position or the promotion that you thought you were going to get at your place of work isn't happening. Maybe you're nearing retirement age, and you realize there's no way I'm going to be able to retire. Or maybe you're here, and you would just like to have a job. And it's not that you're not out there trying. You're turning in applications everywhere. And you just want someone to call you back. And it's not the way you planned. Maybe the thing that was unplanned for you was the way your relationships have gone. Maybe you're single and you thought for sure by now you'd be married. Or maybe you were dating someone and you thought he or she was the one. You thought this is it. And then it fell apart. Maybe you're here and you're married, and you thought, marriage is going to be great. The honeymoon's going to be five years minimum in our marriage. And you've been married six months, and suddenly you realize, eh, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And there's far more tension than happiness in your household. Maybe you've been married for quite a while now, and it's more like living with a roommate than living with a spouse. The romance is gone. The passion is gone. You're two people. You live under the same roof. You signed the same marriage license. You have the same kids, but that's about it. Or maybe, maybe you were in a marriage and and it fell apart tragically. And it wasn't what you planned, but it's what happened. Maybe for you, the unplanned is what hasn't happened and what you planned for. Kids. And maybe you haven't been able to have kids yet, or maybe you're not going to be able to have kids. And in your mind, you envisioned it one way, and in reality, it has been completely different. Maybe there was an illness in your family, the family of somebody that you love. Maybe it took someone suddenly, or maybe you know that this sickness, for someone that you care very much about, it's not going to end well. We could go on and on, but the reality is we all know that life doesn't go the way you plan sometimes. And as good as our intentions can be, as much as we can try to plan and control the circumstances, the reality is that there are times where we're left asking the question, okay, now what? Now what do I do? Life isn't going the way I planned. What am I going to do in those moments? How do I begin to face that? And you know, for most of us, we typically respond to circumstances like the ones I just described, in one of three ways or some combination of these. And this is true whether you've been a Christian your whole life or whether you're kind of new to this whole Jesus thing and you're just starting your journey. Or maybe you're here and you're not even a Christian. And man, we're glad you're here. But typically when we face unplanned circumstances, we do one of three things. The first thing we do is we blame God. We say, God, how could you allow that to happen to me? God, why would you allow my marriage to fall apart? God, why wouldn't you allow us to be parents? God, why is my kid rebellious? God, why can't I just get a job? I'm trying so hard. I'm doing everything. And we blame God for the circumstances in which we find ourselves. Another response that we often have is that we doubt God. Suddenly, as the darkness creeps in, as the despair creeps in, we go, you know, I'm just not so sure that God really loves me that much. Maybe I I did something to upset him. Maybe he's not very happy with me right now. Maybe that skill or that calling that I thought he had for my life isn't really what he had for me. And we doubt God. And then sometimes, sometimes we quit on God. We say, you know what, that's it, I've had it. We take our relationship with God, we put it on our shelf next to our Bibles, And we let them collect dust. And in some cases, it means we just take God out of the equation. He's not a part of our everyday lives anymore. We don't think about him. It's not that we go off and we go into wild living, but we just say, you know what? I just, if that's what it's going to be like, God, if you're not going to come through for me, then I'm just going to go ahead and, you know, I just, I'm not going to have anything to do with you. I'm certainly not going to pursue a relationship with you. Others of us, though, when things don't go the way we planned, we say, you know what? If that's the way it's going to be, if that's how God's going to treat me, I'm just going to go full on into rebellion. I'm going to live the way I want to live. I'm going to take matters into my own hands. If I can't get married, then I'll just find someone and we'll just live together. And it could go on and on and on. And so one day we wake up and we realize I've completely written God out of my life. And they wonder... Maybe, maybe that was a mistake. And for some of you, that's your story. For some of you, you're here and you're just now coming back. Or you're here tonight and you're not even sure that you're ready to come back. You're not even sure that you want to have a relationship with God. And that's okay. We want to be a church for people just like you. We want to be a safe place where you can ask questions, where you can deal with the doubts, where you can talk about the fact that, you know what? I think God ripped me off. I think I got the raw end of the deal. We want to be a church for people like that. Because all of us, all of us at some point in our lives are going to face unplanned circumstances. Things are not going to go the way we planned and In that moment we will have to answer the question okay now what? For many of us that's a question that we are going to have to wrestle to the ground more than once in our lives and chances are that we will be tempted To blame God. We will be tempted to doubt God. We will be tempted to quit on God. I know when I think about my experiences, a little over 10 years ago, I struggled with a severe depression. And during that time, I did all of those things. I blamed God. I doubted God. And for a season of my life, in some sense, I quit on God. I just said, you know what? That's enough. I don't want anything to do with you right now, God. And if we were to go around the room tonight, chances are that every one of us in here who has faced unplanned circumstances, that our story would have one or all of those components to it, because it's a story of human history. It's been this way since the beginning of time. And tonight, we're going to dive in and we're going to look at a story, because thankfully, Jesus offers us another option. And it's not an option that promises to fix everything. It's not an option that guarantees a happy ending. But it is one that enables us to make it through the unplanned moments in life. And not just to survive through them, but to actually grow through them. It is a response that invites us into a deeper, more intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father. And we're going to see this in Matthew chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. Or you take your tablet, smartphone, navigate there. And we're going to look at a story of a guy who found himself in a situation that he never planned to be in. And it's probably not a situation that any of us will find ourselves in. At least, hopefully, none of us find ourselves in this situation. And what we're going to discover is that Jesus offers, in the way he responds to this guy, Jesus offers us an alternative to the blame and the doubt and giving up on our relationship with God and saying, you know what, I'm done, I quit. The guy in our story tonight is named John. We know him better as John the Baptist. John the Baptist was uh, very important uh, in paving the way for Jesus. God had sent John ahead to preach a message of repentance and to help people begin to get ready for what God was doing. John was an older relative of Jesus. I mean, this is a guy that he is mentioned by multiple Old Testament prophets. He's a very significant guy, and yet he finds himself in the most unfortunate of circumstances. Matthew chapter 11, we're going to be starting here in verse 1. It says this, After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. Now when John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, him being Jesus, Are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? So here's John, and he's in prison. Remember I said, hopefully none of us will ever find ourselves in that situation? Now you know why. Because first, I mean, prison's bad enough. But first century prison, there's not three meals a day. There's not a, a mattress to sleep on, even if it is only that thick. And John is suddenly going, wait a second. This isn't how I envisioned things at all. See, John had made Herod mad. Herod was like the ruler over Galilee, which was the, kind of the region where John's ministry was taking place. John had made Herod mad because Herod had a wife, and Herod uh, had a brother named Philip, and Philip had a wife. And Herod liked Philip's wife better than he liked his own wife, so he divorced his wife, and he married Philip's wife. This is like wife swap, Jerusalem. <laughs> Actual wife swap, first century. And so here's John, and he's preaching his message of repentance. And what John would do is John would preach at the Jordan River, and then he would baptize people as a symbol of their desire to to wash away their old way of living and to turn towards God and to prepare themselves for what God was going to do through Jesus. And no one, not even Herod, who had the power to imprison John, not even he was exempt from John's message of repentance. So John is doing the right thing. he's calling Herod out for his adultery and Herod throws him in jail for it and so now suddenly here's John and he's in jail and this is not what he envisioned I mean he's thinking okay Jesus is coming the Messiah we're going to establish a kingdom we're going to overthrow the Roman government we are going to set things right in the world but but then did you notice what he sent his disciples to ask Jesus he said, go, go and ask Jesus, hey, are you really the one? Are you really the Messiah? Or are we waiting on somebody else? See, John's circumstances had, had clouded his, his ability to see what God was doing. He begins to doubt. You can almost hear the doubt as if John was asking it. Are you the one to come or, or is there someone else? Someone who's going to get me out of prison. And so look at what Jesus says to him. Verse 4. Jesus replied, You go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Our circumstances have this way of overshadowing what is undeniable and what is going on around us. And notice Jesus' response. I love this. He doesn't rebuke John. Jesus doesn't say, you go back and tell John, how dare you question me? I mean, you pointed at me and you said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, clearly you know who I am. You go back and say, shame on you. That's not what Jesus does. He simply redirects his focus. He points it to a different way. He says, you go back and you tell John that everything the prophet said is happening. The blind see, the lame are walking, and those with skin diseases are being healed. Good news is being proclaimed to the poor. Yes, John, I am the one you're waiting for, even in the midst of your circumstances. And it's as if Jesus is saying to John and to us, when we find ourselves in those undesirable circumstances, it's as if Jesus is saying, don't let the undesirable circumstances in your life overshadow the undeniable work of God. Don't let what is undeniable or what is undesirable get in the way of what is undeniable. Don't let it cause you to miss what's right in front of your eyes. Don't let it cause you to miss all the ways that God has come through for you in the past. Now, if that was the end of Jesus' response, that would be heavy enough. And we could sit here and go, okay, now what? How in the world do you begin to do that? But, but Jesus takes it one step further, and, and this is going to be crucial in a little bit. Jesus says this, verse 6. He says, Blessed is anyone who does not stumble... On account of me. And, and the word there, stumble, it, it can mean uh, fall away or offended. And the idea here is, is, blessed is someone who is not put off, who is not offended, who isn't caused to stumble and caused to fall away on a result of, as a result of what I'm doing in this world. See, John had his idea of what Jesus was here to do. And then God had his idea of what Jesus was here to do. And what John didn't realize is that this wasn't just about establishing Israel as a nation. This wasn't just about overthrowing the government of Rome. That this was about something much bigger. This was about God reaching down into the pages of human history and offering His one and only Son as a Savior for a broken and sinful world. This was about God offering a way for everyone to have a right relationship with Him. See, here's the invitation that that Jesus extends to us. Here's the response that Jesus calls us to, one that increases the intimacy we have in our relationship with God. Jesus' invitation is this. Focus on the undeniable not the undesirable. Focus on the undeniable, not the undesirable. Focus on the undeniable work of God in your life and in the world around you. Focus on the undeniable fact that God is ferociously and madly in love with you and that He cares for you and that He offers you grace and mercy to help you in your time of need. Focus on the undeniable, not the undesirable. That's the invitation that Jesus extended to John. And friends, that's the invitation that Jesus extends to you and to me. And if you hear that and you think, well, that's a whole lot easier said than done, you're right. This is incredibly difficult, especially especially when you're going through those unplanned moments in life. Because when the darkness is there and the despair is is creeping in, it's so much easier to doubt. It's so much easier to blame. It's so much easier to quit. And focus on the undeniable, not the undesirable. That's just a, a cutesy saying that someone puts on Pinterest. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Guys, don't pretend like you have no idea what I'm talking about, okay? Someone takes a, a photo of a sunset with Instagram, and they put the sepia filter on it, and it's like, focus on the undeniable. Not the undesirable. And people are like, oh, that's nice. And then they pin it to their, is it a wall? I don't even know. Is that what you call it? You're bored. See? I'm criticizing the guys for not knowing. I don't know. Here's the thing it is incredibly difficult to do. But it's the offer that Jesus makes to us. And so what I want to do with the time that we have left here is just talk about two ways, two applications that we can begin to do um, what we just talked about, to begin to focus on the undeniable and not the undesirable. The first is to recall God's faithfulness in the past. Recall God's faithfulness in the past. When life doesn't go the way you planned, It is so easy to lose sight of what God has done in the past. It's always been this way. Over and over and over again in the Old Testament, you see God telling his people, remember what I did for you. Remember that I brought you out of Egypt. Remember that I took care of you in the desert for those 40 years. Remember that I was with you and I helped drive out the inhabitants of the promised land. Remember that I am the God that loves you with a steadfast, never failing, never giving up love. Remember, remember, remember. It takes conscious effort on our part to remember God's faithfulness to us in the past. It is so easy to get consumed by the undesirable circumstances in which we find ourselves. We have to force ourselves to recall God's faithfulness. A few years ago, I was going through a time where I was struggling, and I sat down and I said, you know what? I'm going to write out in my journal as many of the ways as I can think of that God has been faithful to me and to our family just in the past few years. And from time to time, I will go back. And I will add to that list and I will read that list because if I don't do that, I will not recall God's faithfulness in the past. I will be consumed by the undesirable circumstances in which I find myself. Recalling God's faithfulness in the past is difficult. It requires the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. But it is one way that we can begin to focus on the undeniable and not the undesirable. The second application is to rest in God's control over the present and the future. Rest in God's control over the present and the future. One of the themes you see all over Scripture is the idea of God's complete sovereignty over everything that happens. God's complete control over everything that happens. And notice what Jesus said in that last verse. Notice he says, blessed is anyone. So this isn't just for John's disciples. This isn't just for John. This isn't just for Jesus' disciples. This is for anyone. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. In other words, because of me. Implication because of my plans and what I am up to in the world. Friends, it is entirely possible that you could be doing exactly what God wants you to do and not be where you thought you would be. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean he's upset with you. It doesn't mean that you've done anything wrong. He's not punishing you. It simply means that God has a different plan in mind. That was how it was for John. If you know anything about John's story, um, it doesn't end too well for him. He ends up dying. And it wasn't because he did anything wrong. It was simply that God's sovereign plan was at work and it just looked a little bit different. And Jesus invites us to focus on the undeniable and not the undesirable by resting in God's complete control over the present and the future. Man, that is difficult. I miss that far more than I get it right. But here's the reality. Unplanned circumstances can drive us to doubt God. They can drive us to blame God. They can drive us to quit on God. Or they can drive us to God. See, I think that what we see in this story is that unplanned circumstances are really an invitation to greater intimacy with God. And that doesn't mean it's fun. That doesn't mean it's easy. But Jesus says, come. I have a plan. Rest in me. I've got it under control. So let me ask you, what is that area in your life where things haven't gone as planned? Um, For me, in all honesty, it's my job. My job is so far outside of my skills and my passion and my education in my background that when I go to bed tonight, I will feel physically anxious over having to get up and go to work the next five days because it is not what I want to be doing. And I don't believe it's ultimately what God has called me to do, but it's where I'm at right now. And believe me, I miss this way more than I get it right. It is so hard for me to focus on the undeniable and to not get caught up in the undesirable circumstances. But Jesus has invited me and he's invited you to a different response. And as much as I like to think that I'm in control of my life, as much as I like to think that I can make plans, the reality is I'm not in control. I can make plans, But God is the one who ultimately decides whether or not they happen. See, my life, it's not my life, it's His. And the reality is that I am not at the center of God's sovereign plan for the universe. And friends, neither are you. And we should take comfort in that. Because it means that it's not up to us to make every little thing happen. It means that we can rest in the fact that God is in control over the present and and in the future. And it means that in the meantime, we can reflect and recall the ways that God has been faithful to us. We can begin to focus on the undeniable and not the undesirable. Imagine, just imagine, if we became a church that began to do that that began to focus on the undeniable work of God that's going on in our midst. If we said, you know what? I know my life is not what I want it to be, but I'm going to get on board with what God is doing in the world. God sent Jesus into the world. He is the center of what God is doing. His redemption that He offers, He has invited us to be a part of that story. And how cool is that? And the choice is ours. We can either focus on the undeniable undesirable, or we can focus on the undeniable. Jesus invites us to focus on what's undeniable. Imagine if we were a church that did that. Imagine if we were a people that said, you know what, I'm not going to be consumed by where I find myself, but instead I'm going to be consumed by the fact that I am loved by God. And instead we turned our attention to who it is that controls our lives. Let's pray. And as we pray here uh, and transition back into a, a time of worship and communion, um, just wanted to let you know that if, if you'd like to, to just pray with someone afterwards, there'll be uh, several of us over to your right, my left, and um, you're welcome to stop by. You don't, you don't have to um, tell us your whole story or anything. You can just say, hey, I just, I just need you to pray for me, and we can do that, and we'd be happy to to do that. Father, we thank you that you invite us to know you in a deeper, more intimate way, even in the midst of our trials, even in the midst of those situations that we never planned to be in. Father, I pray for the man or the woman here tonight, and and this could land in so many different places. I pray that you would just give us the strength by your Holy Spirit to focus on the undeniable fact that you love us and that you care for us and that you do provide grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. And Father, as we partake of communion in just a moment, we remember your son's sacrifice on our behalf. And we remember the fact that that provides us the offer not only of the forgiveness of our sins, but it provides us with hope. Hope that one day, regardless of what we're facing, Um, that every tear will be wiped away from our eyes. Father, we love you, and it's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen.